You may notice that my hair looks exceptionally clean and my beard looks really good right now. And what's going on? I uh, tell him it's a really it's you know it's like carpet. I'm living in a, in, in a bizarre world right now where uh, for some reason my barber asked me to be in a photo shoot today and and I was like okay that's cool like I'll take a free haircut and uh-huh. you know they're nice guys I like to support local business and I get in there and the other model is former Chicago Bear Jerry Azuma so I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, what's up, Zoom? I'm a fucking meatball. What's up, Zoom? We're fan. cool now, right? <laughs> we, people call you Zoom, right? If you get your hair cut in the same be. place, I think you're automatically like, it's some kind of brotherly thing already, you know? Yeah. So, you know, th- this is why I'm, uh, even though it's Sunday. And I have early, no idea who that is. Yeah. I, you this know, story is fine. completely lost on me. You're more famous to me than the guy that you're talking <laughs> Jerry about. Jerry Azuma. Yeah. Well, that makes one of you yeah. of the, in the world, and that's cool. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey. Episode, what episode is this? Episode 42. Yeah. Gearbuds podcast. We're cranking right along, man. Cranking right along. And we have a super special guest today on the guest couch. We have Mr. Scott Lucas. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hey. Thank you so much for being here, man. It's really Thank cool you. to have you to have you in and shoot the shit with us today. So um, you know what? We're just gonna dive right on in. Sounds good. Let's get going here. Great. We've yeah, got baby. a couple segments we like to hit every week. First one, Symphony of Corrections. I actually have something for the Symphony this oh, week. Oh, good. Um, cause you know, we've gotten pretty good. One of the things that we really hate is just like having computers in front of us and we don't, you know, we, we say a lot of stupid wrong stuff here, so we have to correct right. it usually. Um, last week I couldn't remember what MIDI stood for. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out it's musical instrument, digital interface. So we were close, right? Not really. Not at all. I think I might've got instrument and or <laughs> interface in there at some point, but that's We didn't about get it. digital. That seems so obvious. I know. Now. Right. How long yeah. did you spend on that? Oh, a good while. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think quite, we came back to it twice, actually. I went through all the specifications that are new to MIDI 2.0, but I could not recall what fucking MIDI actually stood for right. while we were doing that. So, you know, here we are next week, and we said we'd correct it, and, and we did. Good job. Way to remember. Uh, thanks. Yeah, well, I have to edit these things, so that's not it's not really memory. <laughs> right. Uh, just a, a quick reminder to everyone that cables are now known as tone tubes. Damn In right. fact, Dave, if you'll do me a favor, we've yeah. got a... We've got a gift for you, Scott. Um, I've got into the cable making game, and Uh-oh. now I'm just going to give you a little patch cable here, handmade That's by yours right. truly. Sounds great. That's a tone tube. Uh, if you ever need an extra little patch cable, I guarantee that that one works and sounds good. All so, right. You I know, can always use one of these. Hell yeah, man. That's for you. Uh, reminder, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And that's, I, I mean, we don't do the Twitter thing so much. No, we're not. Are, um, are you on, are we on Twitter? We have a Twitter, but I've never actually, I don't think I've ever tweeted anything yeah. from that particular. Why not? Why what? not? Well, I use my personal Twitter, but mm-hmm. I don't really do the gearbuds. It's hard to keep up. I've got an Instagram for myself and for the, for the podcast and for my new band. Like there's I no just, there's just, special animus towards Twitter. No, in fact, I actually of all the social medias, I tend to use that the most. I think for my own personal gain mm. in terms of news. They and say a lot of people get their things. news right away from Twitter. But I just haven't done the. I, I don't know if the gear world lives on Twitter so much. Do they? Maybe. Yeah, I don't Maybe know. I'm just missing out. I don't even. I've never had an account, so I couldn't say. <laughs> I actually don't even know how to use Twitter. I yeah, I don't know. Cool. Well, yeah. we're old. That's fine. <laughs> um, and uh, moving along to the next segment, my personal favorite every week, Dave's Docs. Yeah, we do a segment called Dave's Docs. I try to watch a music documentary every okay. week. Okay, what'd you um, watch? It's a task. So this week, uh, I actually watched one about The Clash, which okay. I thought was pretty cool. It's called... Uh, There's not a lot of those out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Do you need the name? Yeah, West Westward to the World. Westward to the World. Thank you. I kept kept forgetting that, actually, and wrote it down for a change. And still forgot it. Um, really cool, man. You know, that band, I, I'm sure you guys know a little bit about them. You know, late 70s, they formed. Mm-hmm. Um, met in art school, punk rock guys. Then they kind of got into like the reggae shit and kind of had that whole 
you know, mess of all that going on. And uh, they were only a band for like four years and they blew the fuck up right when they were about to break up, actually, which was very interesting. Wow. I wonder if in the U.S. at least. I don't think I ever realized it was only four years. That's kind of insane how much of an impact they were able to make in four fucking years. I can't date it exactly, but I think like their first record because they were together for a few years before they even put a record together. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they were just playing local shows, kind of getting their own local following. And I think they put the first record out. It did really well. They came to the States and they just absolutely blew up. And um, then they were like, their drummer started doing heroin and shit. And they're like, the one you know ah. instrument that you shouldn't be doing heroin on is drums because you're yeah. just going to be like fucking awful. Dang. So, um, you know, uh, Joe wasn't too happy about that. And, uh, you and Joe are just first name buds. Yeah, we're first name Sweet. basis, you know. Um, but New they were drums. But they, yeah, they had to keep it together, you know, because they were like, shit, now we have to tour. And, you know, I think their last show was some, you know, U.S. festival. It was like 200,000 people, 1984. I believe it was the Us Festival. Yes, thank you. And uh, I had a feeling you'd probably know something about yeah. that. And they, they're I, not, I, you know, they're the Clash. They're the Clash. <laughs> so, you know, not uh, grazing over too much new information here. But uh, it was a good doc, man. Where did you watch it? What was it? Was uh, it's, it? On it's on Amazon. It's not free. I had to, you know. You did they get into paid. those string of shows that they had to, free shows that they had to play in New York? Um, where the scalpers were, uh, the, they were selling all the tickets. And so they added a bunch more dates. No shit. So no. everyone could go. I mean, oh, they weren't cool. free, but. Yeah. But so they were in New York for a long time. Yeah. And not a long time. Not four years. But they were there for a while. They're also in the King Comedy, uh, the Martin Scorsese movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. So around that point, you can see them in one of the scenes. No shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were, I, I guess their their fame in the States was like unheard of. Like they had no idea that they were going to do that well when they came over. So I just noticed. Um, Media you, darlings. I just noticed mm-hmm. you're wearing a Scorsese Scorpions shirt yeah. right now, which nice. is apropos currently. Uh, dude, good one. I'm totally yeah. going to watch that. Yeah, watch it. It's great. You know, I figure obviously, I mean, for those who don't know already, you, you are as, as much of a film and, and cinema man as you happen to be a music man any any uh any 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 contributions to dave docs that you'd want to, to yeah do you have a favorite uh, rock doc or music documentary uh probably the best movie that came out last year was uh that uh bob dylan documentary that that's on netflix that scorsese did um oh the like the sort the of documentary it's called, yeah documentary? it's called rolling, rolling thunder, thunder yeah, right? it's so that fucking really cool. good yeah it, it's great but, yeah that was awesome but yeah there's a lot of weird things going on in the movie and yeah it is i watched uh, i think it was maybe it was on youtube some sort of in-depth because i didn't i guess i didn't know what was real and what wasn't from right. that right. so yeah. it was really interesting i i love that behind the scenes stuff it's where it's like okay here's actually what happened and, and what you should have been looking for while sure. watching because maybe i'm just too dumb to notice that stuff on my on my own you know if you don't know yeah how would you know and now you I know I, I, that whole thing it seems like they think they're a little too clever with that thing mm-hmm. right it's like, how are they supposed to how are people supposed to know that Sharon Stone wasn't there exactly yeah who the fuck knows that she was actually like way too young to have even been his girlfriend yeah, who that time. knows anything about those people so mm-hmm. that's fine but it's just a how on fire he is on those on those shows yeah. oh yeah he's all coked up he's out of his mind and they're the m- best performances I've ever seen of those songs it's great yeah, Hell yeah. I'm gonna go back and watch that one now again yeah maybe we'll throw that in the Dave's docs next absolutely week. Sweet. Um, normally, this is where we get into Riff Library, which is where I talk about a different music book every week. Um, but I'm going to be honest i i didn't i didn't I didn't do my homework this week. <laughs> okay. But what I did do was uh, realize that instead of talking about that, 
again, to keep it on a little bit of the cinema train here, the Oscars are on tonight. Yeah. So I would like to just talk about some of our favorite movies from the year real fast, if you guys don't mind. Sure. Um, I did do a little homework in other ways because I finally watched Parasite last night. And that movie blew my mind and is still living underneath my skin right now. And I can't I can't stop feeling what happened to me with that movie. Well put. Yeah, people like it, huh? What did you think? I think it's good. Yeah. I you know, it's not the first South Korean movie I've ever seen. Sure, of course. It seems not. to be I, I don't know. I, there was a movie that came out last year called Burning. Okay, I haven't seen that. And it's about kind of the same thing. Um and I think it's a lot better. Okay. All so, right. but I mean, this, that's not to say this isn't a great movie and I mean, it is, and it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. People really like it. So I think that's kind of fascinating about how much people really like it. You know what I mean? Word. Yeah. It, it, it I think I, I, from everything I've read, it seems like it's kind of a shoe in to win at least some awards tonight. I think it's going to win. It's going to. So, okay. So that was going to be leading me to my next question. What do you think will be best picture? It sounds like you think it's going to be parasite, but what do you think should be best picture? Little women. Okay, let's hear some more about. It. I still haven't seen. I haven't that. seen that. It's great. Yeah, it's so good. You know, it's just like I cried for two hours. You know, it was just it was like one of those things where you know just the joy of watching something that great was, and I didn't know I needed to watch another Little Women movie. You right. Know? Mm. I think that Winona Ryder one is pretty dreadful. So I've never seen it that either, actually. I went back and I was like, yeah, it sucks. You got to do it. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, like in the 90s or something. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Kind of people that. like it. Yeah. I'm just not one of them. And th- this is so good. It's so good. All right. So I don't know. Uh, one more Oscar question. Can you, off the top of your head, can you think of what maybe might be the your least favorite best picture winner that you've seen? I mean, last year's was pretty awful, right? Green Book. It was. Yeah. Why? What happened? Why? What happened with that? Here's I what it was I think. Enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was like best picture, but it was enjoyable. It was what, a I fine mean, movie. Here's what I think's going on. You know, they've got like what up to ten nominees right. now. So what happens is no one's first pick is winning. So right. no one's going to the mat for any of these fucking movies. Mm-hmm. So like. Maybe everyone's second choice or third choice was Green Book, and mm-hmm. that ends up getting the most votes. Uh, Interesting. So yeah. we end up really celebrating mediocrity every year. And then the year before that was Shape of Water. I had a problem with that movie. And I like Shape of Water. I do. But, I didn't like it. But, you know, I don't see anybody, like, going, that movie changed my life. Yeah, I, you know? I watched it, and it was entertaining, but I didn't go, oh, my God, best picture of the year. I mean, that just seems like such a high, you know, trophy to win. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, and who gives a shit anyway? Yeah, right. But But it's just, I think that's what's happening, so... You know, hmm. not to get too far into politics, but maybe do we need some ranked voting? Do we need to say here's our one, two, and three? I, I, by we, I mean of course the Academy voting on the fucking Oscars. Yeah, here's our one, number one, number two, number three pick, and then mm-hmm. that could maybe weed out some of these issues. I don't know. They can't be trusted to to do the right thing. Yeah, that's ever. true. That's anyway. fair. It is kind of do a big right sort of advertising campaign for themselves when it comes down to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's you know, it's it's February. There's nothing new coming out. Mm-hmm. It just gets people to go see movies that have been out for a couple months. That's true. Hey, I'm, it works on me. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, you, uh, you've got a, I don't know. It's just, is it just a Twitter account? You do the popcorn dick thing. Yeah. Um, is that, are those only, are those only films you see in a theater right. or, okay. So that's every time you tweet about a different movie that you've seen, that's something you have gone and physically seen in a movie theater. Right. Right. What kind of, how did you, how did you get to start doing that? Was it just like you were realizing you're seeing a lot of movies or? Uh, yeah, I was just kind of 
keeping track of it, you know, like just making an online list. Yeah. And then uh, people were like, well, what did you think of it? And then I was like, well, it's a pain in the ass. And then it just got to be this this little personal project yeah. that I do. Is that, so I, I really feel like we're burying the lead here when it comes to the fact that Scott is also local H that we haven't really <laughs> mentioned much here. So let's talk more about movies. But yeah. uh, is that just at Popcorn Dick? Like where, how do people find that? Uh, on you can go to my personal thing, yeah. but I got kicked off of Twitter uh -oh. like last week. Oh, bummer. And I can't get back on. Popcorn dick is still up. Yeah, but uh, you, you personally got kicked off. Personally, I can't. What'd you say, man? I can't. I, didn't, <laughs> I don't know what I did. Who knows? Yeah, right. But uh, I, I don't know if somebody tried to hack my account or what. Oh shit! So I can't get back on. Well, and if, you know, if Twitter, if you're listening, yeah, help him out. Give Scott a chance. Yeah, yeah. you're you're really He's ruining nice my day. <laughs> <laughs> Freeing your, your mind up to invest that energy in right, something else. Right, right. Uh, all right, man. So. That's enough. Enough of this. Enough movie time. Gearbuds malarkey here. Let's let's talk about you a little bit. Yeah. Um, and and one of the things that we love to do here is kind of use like our own gear and the stuff that we use to get into our own story. So, um, what what uh like what was the do you remember the first guitar you had like when you were when you're first getting back in that shit when you were a kid? Yeah, it was a Harmony. Oh yeah, what kind of That's Harmony? It's a popular was it? answer actually. It was mine yeah. too actually. It was uh, I don't know. What, I mean, yeah. it was red. And it had action like that, <laughs> of course. like a foot off the fretboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how I played it. Yeah, but I did. Do you remember? Was there a band or a song or something that was like, "All right, I want to have a guitar to do that"? Yeah, I think I just kind of wanted to play guitar so I could write songs. Oh, cool! And so that was just like the first day I got a guitar, I wrote a song. And, oh, wow! You know, it just kept going from that and that was bound for the floor yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, still to this day right uh do you but do you was there like what kind of like were you was there were there like certain bands or something that you're you're digging that was kind of making you want to emulate them pink floyd yeah a lot of pink floyd and okay. a lot of zeppelin um which is just such an obvious midwestern white kid type of thing to say but i wouldn't have that guitar right there if not for jimmy page yeah for sure so you know i just listened to that stuff and i wanted to make stuff like that you yeah know? hell yeah um so when would you remember like when you started playing with other people you starting putting bands together doing that kind of thing yeah yeah i mean you know then it would just be like metallica covers and scorpions covers and stuff like that yeah uh and then and then i fell into uh, a punk rock band with my friends and and we were playing our own stuff and could and uh, and that kind of just I fell in with those guys and kept doing stuff with them you know for the rest of my time in high school and stuff like that yeah cool what was uh what was your rig like back then do you remember like what kind of amps and guitars and shit you were playing well I had an amp that came with the guitar hell yeah <laughs> the starter pack yeah, yeah. And so that was what I had for a while. And then I just borrowed amps for a long time, like, you know, crates mm -hmm. and shit like that. Um, so, I mean, I didn't really get an amp that's really worth a shit until I got a, a Laney head and uh, it came with a Marshall half stack. And I still have that. Oh, cool. oh sick. So Was that at all uh, Tony Iommi influenced? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but I, I mean, I and I ended up doing a couple of ads for them and getting that Tony Iommi model. Oh wow, that's fucking awesome! So, I had no idea. Yeah, that was cool. Um, but no, I mean, this was it. You know, just like a power amp, no 
no channels, yeah, shit like that. Was that was that around the time you were starting the local H thing, or when when was that happening? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, before that, I was just playing out of uh, like crates for real, mm -hmm. and and then uh, that was like, okay, we want to start like these sub pop bands, so mm -hmm. we need some sub pop gear because this other stuff's not working. Yeah, it's not cutting it. Yeah. What um, I guess talk us through a little bit about kind of the early days of local H like how did the, how did you even start that project I mean I think one of the things that you guys are you are probably most regularly identified with is doing this kind of like power duo thing like the right. two-person sound like did you it didn't start off that way right no. you're kind of more of like a three or four it was piece four kind of piece band, oh, okay. yeah. yeah and was it just a matter of necessity cutting it down how'd that happen yeah you know so like it used to have two guitars bass and, and drums and when the guitar player left I just took over all the guitar stuff. That wasn't too difficult. But then it, it got heavier. And then we did that for a while. And then when the bass player left, that's when we were like, well, all right, well, now what do we do? Because we didn't know anybody else, mm -hmm. you know? And so we just uh, figured out how to do the, the two-piece thing. And then things got even heavier, you know? So it was just that kind of thing where um, it it kept working out, you know? When people left, it kept making the band better. More of what it was. I mean, right. it was super innovative at the time. You didn't have people in two-piece bands really back then, right? No, you didn't. And I'm sure people looked at you like, wait, so where, where's your third guy? Right. There was a lot of that. <laughs> you guys need. You guys could be good. You need a bass player. Right. You know, Jesus. Kind of it's like, now we're good. Uh, but there were two-piece bands, but there were more, and this is still almost true, but there were more all blues based kind of garage yeah. sure. things. Yeah. And so there was this band that I saw uh, open up for, I can't even remember who they opened up for, but it was the Chickasaw Mud Puppies. And they were great. And it was like just uh, one guy on the guitar and another guy sitting on this rocking chair and he had the uh, the platform mic'd and he'd do all the, you know, the percussion oh, with his boots. Very cool. And he's playing like a, a washboard and playing harmonica. And it was really entertaining. It was, it was, you know, I don't remember the headliner. It was a really great show. Yeah. And and I was just kind of like, okay, you can do this and you can have a two-piece and it can be entertaining. We just have to figure out how to make it heavy because we're playing heavy rock. So that was, I knew it was going to work. I just didn't know how to make it work yet, you know. And so I guess, how did you, was it, how thoughtful was it that you were, when you decided that you had to, you know, put a bass pickup and split that, like, was that, again, was it just a matter of necessity or were you really thoughtful about the fact that you're like, I'm going to split this signal out and do separate amps and yeah. make my life real fucking heavy? Even the placement myself? of the pickup and all that. Right. Yeah, I didn't, I, it's still a thing that you're still trying to perfect and make better. But my first thought was that I could plug it in an octave pedal and that would do the right, trick. Yeah. Naturally. And that didn't do the trick. And so a friend of mine who was working at the music store, it was his idea to split the signal. Right. Because he was like, all right, we got to figure out how to just get two strings through the octave pedal so it's not so muddy. And that worked out. That was, that was kind of what happened. I bought a $150 Ibanez Telecaster copy. Okay. And he routed that out and... That was that was it. That's history. And I still have that guitar too. So, how much of that original sort of like, you know, because I mean, you shit life or your new record that's going to be coming out. We'll get back to that. I I would imagine that's got to have something to do with the fact that you're the, hitting this what thirty years mm -hmm. as a band right now. Like, how much of that stuff from thirty years ago do you even still have? You mean gear and gear? Yeah, 
most of it. Yeah, I think. Are, are you using any of it, or is it completely evolved? Since I then? still use that first Ivanez guitar every night. Oh, cool. really? Yeah, no shit. Yeah, because it it just it does things that it's a total piece of crap, and it's great. Yeah, and it does things that you know other guitars just can't do. So there's this little stupid tap dance type of thing I do before one of the songs, and and that guitar feeds back like nothing else just works on that guitar yeah 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 damn that's cool so i mean obviously 30 years a lot of stuff's gonna happen in the meantime like uh right now are you touring as a two-piece still or are you kind of mm-hmm. are you fleshing it out more because i know i've seen you a bunch of different sort of ways over the years and like having some people play with you right. or not what does that look like today i mean we did a tour a couple of not last year but the year before and we had people come out with us because we were playing uh, a record. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was like a three-hour show. We'd come out, we'd do a two-piece set, and then we'd bring these guys out. We'd mm-hmm. recreate the record and, you know, on and on. But but basically the whole thing is the two-piece thing. I mean, we tried other stuff, you know, just because we could. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was always just something to break things up. And and when you're writing, do you th- is it in your head that this needs to be replicated live by a two piece band or, I because there are, I guess there are sort of two different philosophies yeah. you can take in the studio, right? Either right. like it's for the record or, mm-hmm. or it's for something that's going to happen live. Where do you sort of fall? With I'm that? on the one that who gives a shit. It's it's like let's just make a good record. Two and separate it, entities, yeah, and then we'll figure it out later. You know, mm-hmm. I mean that's the thing. I was watching a. Uh, uh, the song remains the same the other day. Nice. And, yeah, hell yeah. You know, you're like, that was the kind of thinking that Paige had. He was like, I'm going to put all these guitar overdubs on it. And people would say, well, they're not good live because they can't reproduce it. Right. And first of all, that's bullshit. They were great <laughs> live. And second of all, who cares? You know, if you want to do that, stay home and listen to the record. And I also think that once you put that stuff in people's minds, they fill in a lot of that stuff. Sure do. And so it's not necessary. To, it's like when you go to see a band, they've got samples of the tambourine going like, yeah. it's like who cares? <laughs> so there's a lot of that stuff that I don't think is as important as, maybe there's just too many producers and bands or something like sure. that. There's just, That's it's fair. not that fucking important. Mm-hmm. You know, just bring it, come out and have a good time and you, you just play. Yeah, it makes it two separate separate things i mean you've got the record and then you've got this this show which is a completely different experience almost in a right way, you know and it should be yeah uh so i think the last time i actually saw you play was um one of the coolest shows ever that was opening for metallica at soldier field uh-huh. uh, i'm sure i'm sure you've i'm sure you've talked about this a, a lot so we don't need to get too much into it but like you know i've just got to ask because metallica is i mean arguably maybe my favorite band of all time certainly top five what was i mean just what was it like meeting those guys and, and doing that? Had you, had you ever met them before playing that show? I had met uh, Lars, mm-hmm. but uh, I didn't remember it. <laughs> and he did. So <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yeah, that's, so, but, you know, I, I was just so nervous and overwhelmed to even be there that, you know, I mean, I can't hang like that. I'm not that cool to pretend that, that I'm not uh, dumbstruck around those guys, mm-hmm. you know? So I just stay out of everybody's way and try not to make an asshole out of myself. That was that was all it was. 
Well, as a as a fan and, and a friend and someone that has loved your music for a long time, it felt really cool even for me to see you up there playing with those guys. So I can't even imagine what that must have felt like as an artist. Yeah, that was that was really gratifying the way that went down and and how much people supported us. Mm-hmm. And that really brought home a lot of things to me. And I mean, just aside from actually the physical act of playing those shows, just the fact that we were there because of people's, I don't know, love of us or whatever. It sounds stupid to say, but it was, it was really something else. Uh, and it meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but it was a, it, it was crazy, you know? And the crowd was super into it. I think, I don't know. I don't feel this way, but I feel like Metallica fans have sort of a reputation of maybe being assholes or yeah. not super receptive not the opening, uh, yeah. to opening acts. I mean, sure. there's the famous stories of the dudes with the back patches with their backs turned, just giving the middle right. finger and yeah. all that shit. And it was not that at all. Well, from I've my been, perspective, I've been on that side before, yeah. you know. I, so I I knew that, and I was like, oh fuck, this is gonna be tough. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but yeah, yeah, you know, there was you can't get them all, but that Chicago show. Chicago showed up. It was, it was really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, your, your live performances, I've already alluded to. I've seen you a bunch of times live. Legendary, amazing live band. I think one of the things that has always stuck out with me, not only is your singing voice, but the but your scream that you have. I think that's sort of one of the things you, you're ten, you tend to be known for. In fact, a uh, quick little story. I remember my first high school band, uh, the lead singer, a friend of mine named Mara, she referred to you as having the sexiest scream in rock and roll. Oh, and no, that no, has always you. stuck with me, <laughs> and, uh, even you know this many years later. Is there, I mean, okay, so for, for people who may or may not know, there was an unfortunate incident that happened, right. I don't know however long, how many years ago, when you were actually attacked. Yeah. And that mess, that was obviously fucked up your voice and your vocal cords and everything. You know, that in mind... The fact that you're screaming your fucking face off every night, like, what do you have any kind of like uh, exercises or techniques or anything that you can share that help you with that maintaining that every night, not throwing your voice out, losing your voice? Yeah, I mean, the first time I lost my voice, we were playing Madison Square Garden, oh, and shit. it was kind of like, well, this is never going to happen again, and I'm not going to be able to sing. Yeah. So it was one of those things where, like, fuck, what, what am I going to do? And so I went to. Uh, this guy and he gave me a bunch of exercises and I still do those. You Same know? ones. Mm. So how long ago was that? It was a while ago. Let's say ninety-seven. Oh wow! So the same exercise and they and there's you like you're regimented. Do you do them every day or is it just show days? Like how do you approach that? Yeah. So like about a half an hour before uh, we go out and set our shit up. So. About an hour before the show starts, mm-hmm. I'll do the stuff, and they're very embarrassing. And yeah. <laughs> lock yourself in a bathroom or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I won't ask you to do them for us now. But, <laughs> I mean, uh, I've got them on my phone. Exclusive. I, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, you know, I know we're jumping around a little bit right here, but I'm just kind of looking through some some of the notes that I've got here. Uh, you know. Uh, I think people may or may not know, you've probably talked about it before, the band, the name Local H came from sort of two separate R.E.M. songs. Right. And I and I was thinking about that because uh, I just, not that I've ever disliked them, but I've never really spent the time to get into R.E.M. Oh. So I'm wondering, as, as a total neophyte, could you kind of recommend a few things for me to check out that aren't Monster that I'll be like, all right, this, yeah, this could be Yeah, everything before shit. Monster. Yeah, really, literally much. just that. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Monster 
at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Reckoning, Fables of the Reconstruction, Murmur, they're some of the best records ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, Green is a terrific record. I know some people don't like it, but I do. Um, I, I think their third record's my favorite, Fables of the Reconstruction. All it's right. just a darker record than some of the others, and uh, Joe Boyd produced it, and it's, um, it's a great record. You know. Sick. Well, um, speaking of records, again, you've got this new one coming out called Lifers. I was uh, I was thinking back to a conversation we had had a long time ago, and I don't know what record cycle you were on or writing cycle, but I remember, we're, I think it was, I want to say it was the year whenever In Rainbows came out. Uh-huh. And I saw you, and, and I asked you what you thought of it, and you'd mentioned um, that you, you hadn't listened to it yet because you try not to listen to new music while you're writing. Is that something yeah. that you still try to kind of stick to? Yeah, it's it's not even a thing that's necessarily premeditated. It's it's almost more like a thing. Like I just don't have time. You oh, know? Okay. it's it's just the kind of thing where. I mean, yeah, I I was probably just all in my head about writing my own songs. You know, not trying to sort of avoid undue influence just because something's popular or new. That certainly makes sense. You know, and and I have made records that uh, where I could listen to and go, Oh, I was definitely listening to that at right. the time, you know, but, uh, you know, who knows if that, that even really would happen mm-hmm. with Radiohead. You know, what am I going to do? I think we all kind of maybe want that influence anyway. Like yeah. I'll take any sort of any of any of that leaking into me that I can possibly take oh, when yeah. it comes down to it. I mean, I, I think it's actually probably a really good thing to keep your, your head open. But, um, at a certain point, you know, we just have to get the thing done, you mm-hmm. know, and and that record, I don't know, I think that where you t- that conversation you're talking about was like that record was pretty hard to finish, and we had a lot of shit going on, mm-hmm. so so yeah, I, I had to wait another summer for that Radiohead record. <laughs> yeah, it was it was worth it was the worth the wait. Sure. Yeah. It was worth the one wait. One of my favorites. I, yeah. I still come back to that one pretty regularly. I, I fucking, the production's insane in that record. It's great. Too. Oh my god, Nigel, Nigel has never done anything bad with that band though. Um, and that's a band that does do it perfectly live. Yeah, know, that will do that record. Mm-hmm. And also, what they do is this thing where you think it's production, and then you watch them live. It's like, oh no, that's just how. They play the song. I think the know? same thing that uh, in the basement performance. I yeah, think exactly. it's of in Rainbow. That's exactly it's, what I was I'm like, about. I can't believe this is live right now. It's, yeah. it's it well, they even mind. brought in. Wow, I can't think of his name right now. The drummer from Portishead, who's now also in Radiohead, so they can do the two drums thing live. <laughs> right. Um, some of the best. Yeah. Uh, getting back to lifers a little bit. Did you? Was that one? You did that electrical. We did a chunk of it at electrical. Okay. What was that? What was that like? Uh, how much of that? How much did you bring in? Sort of. Pre- prepared or was was there any time spent kind of experimenting what was that no, process no everything like? was prepared like we would we didn't want to fuck up in front of Steve Albini <laughs> yeah and so we practiced our asses off and we also knew that we didn't have a whole lot of time in there so we, we were only in there for two days wow. and I just wanted to make sure that we didn't waste any time yeah so we came in there with with everything and and uh, just tried to get as much done as possible do you guys record like live basically i guess you could say or do you just check drums first or how do you yeah we'll, we'll sort of set up uh, exactly and and this is the way we did it with steve was we set up the amps exactly the way they are on stage and and ryan is in the drum room and 
you know, we'll just play the songs. Yep. And so everything's there that it would be live. And then we just go in and uh, if we need a better guitar sound or, you know, want to put an acoustic on or a guitar solo or whatever. Start layering it we, Yeah, we just do that. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't, we don't just record live and then that's it. Right. You know, that almost never happens. What, um, so what guitars are you using in the studio right now and live? I, you mentioned the Ibanez. What else are you, what else are you playing? Uh, I've got this Strat with a, a Les Paul pickup in it. And um, that's been my guitar for for a long, long, long mm-hmm. time. Is it? That's a black one, right? Yeah. Yep. And I definitely recognize that one. Although I realized that it was actually blue. Really? <laughs> yeah. So there's a finish over uh-huh. the blue. Yeah. Are you starting to wear through the black and see yes. the blue? Yeah. Oh, very cool. That's fucking right. It's funny because my strap before that was blue. So I think that this might be the same strap. What? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how was that? You just blew my dang mind. It's too early. Don't remember that painting it black? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> None more black. Uh, and then what kind of pedals are you running uh, with your rig right now? How much time do we have? <laughs> as much as you need before you uh, got to yeah. make it to Verboten. It's, yeah. It's, uh, I've lost my fucking mind when it comes to pedals. <laughs> it's just. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Let's hear it. You're at the right place. Don't worry. It's, um, it's a safe space. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Chase Bliss pedals cool. lately. And uh, I got this distortion pedal that somebody made for me. And I don't know who made it, and it's great. It's got like a distortion switch and a, a booster switch. And I got this Wave Cannon pedal. Have you heard about this? Is thing? that uh, Caroline? Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's so much fun. It, uh, so, yeah, you know, I got this DoD Phaser pedal that that's been my favorite pedal since since we started. Mm-hmm. You know, well, um, I mean phaser's good enough for van halen's good enough for me yeah well this one the dod pedal it's sort of purplish and it just has a sweep that's more extreme than any Hmm. like uh, you know those van halen pedals or Mm -hmm. anything like that so it's really it's crazy i can't find another pedal that that sounds like it do you run a separate signal chain for the bass strings and for the sort of guitar e strings yeah what do you got? What do you got on the bass? Any, uh, any distortion? Anything like that going on? There? No, I just have a little bit of a, a little bit of an octave pedal on it, and it has its own switch to turn the bass on and off. Oh, nice! And uh, then you know, just, it's all pretty much amp sound out of the the MPEG. And so it's a, what are you an SVT you're running for the bass? Yeah. What are you still using Eleni on the guitar side then? Uh, I'm using a matchless on the guitar. Oh, so. how cool. fancy! Mm-hmm. What's the which, which matchless is it? 120 watt Super Chief. Oh, wow! Don't it's see too good. many of those. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> do you do you, do you tour with Attack or is that do you maintain all that kind of no, stuff? No, it's just us. Yeah. It's just the two of us. Man, that's impressive and also a little scary, I think, because man, shit can break. Yeah, but you know, unless you've got a lot of money to pay somebody who's really good, yeah. What's the point? What's the point? Yeah, you're right. and and I. I like setting my stuff up and I like going out there before we play and putting everything right. and then, you know, going backstage and taking a piss. I mean, it just gets me into the show. You mm-hmm. know, if we don't do that, I, I really, I almost don't know what to do with myself. I think I saw an old video, <clears throat> an old video. You had a, uh, one of those boss, like GT five. Dude, like, I remember that. Yeah. The blue yeah. one. Do you still fuck with those or? Uh, I kind of stopped, but I've got, you know, like three of them. Yeah. And and I used that for a long time, and then it was just kind of 
just one day just let's change it up right. let's stop this and you know there's also that like little digital thing going on mm -hmm. through that and i kind of got sick of that little sound you know um but yeah i mean i've got like this kind of switching system now but but you know it's it's all got the the pedals on it and stuff it's like not like that. midi or anything like that no right? no it's uh it's uh it's a fuck is a voodoo lab yeah i think yeah the voodoo lab uh ground control is it yeah GCX? yeah yeah word fuck yeah good friend of the show dan lou also has one of those who also you recently played in a project with him nice that segue was, that was pretty fun uh that i got to see that was that cars tribute show. oh right uh that was a hell of a night man yeah Wow, he's such a good player. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He's one of best. our best friends. We was actually just out. Uh, we went to Nam together and spent spent a nice week out in California oh, checking out all the gears. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny because he he's like, well, you know, play the cars, we, big deal. What is it? Yeah. I was like, ah, you didn't realize you were what you were signing up for. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it was because I think Jason asked me to play. I was like, I can't play that. No, you know, so. Dan, Dan absolutely can. Yeah. Um, which and it was a nice little surprise. We got invited uh, to be to cover this the Nam Tech Awards. It's basically like the Gear Grammys. Uh, Fred Armisen hosted, and it, the night opened with Steve Lukather, Skunk Baxter, and Elliot Easton <laughs> playing a sh playing songs together. Yeah, we were just talking about Steve Lukather before you guys went to that thing. Oh, really? So, yeah. So it was, turned out to be pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. and they all played Ma's rights and played adventures adventures covers. It was yeah, nice, crazy and pretty pretty fortuitous timing um what what's uh like did you were you already a cars fan before before that did you have to learn the lyrics and that kind of stuff before you yeah i did uh but you know th that kind of stuff it's it's great and you've heard it a million times mm -hmm. you know so it's who isn't a cars fan yeah i mean i i was sort of like a tan or a peripheral Cars fan, I'd never really spent the time to get into them, and there are a few of the songs I was like, "Holy shit, that's the Cars! This song rules!" Mm -hmm. Like I had no idea. So it was it was fun as as just a a concert goer to to learn about some some new songs from the Cars who have already been awesome for like forty fucking years. <laughs> yeah, I mean the songs are really smart and they're perfect players, yep. and, and the production on those records is great too. I mean mm -hmm. you can just get into it from that standpoint. Totally. Uh, I wanted to ask too. I know I don't know what sort of what the status is. I think. I can't remember exactly, but I think we might have first met when you were playing with the Married Men. Is that um, is that project still still alive and kicking in any way? That is not, uh, and that kind of uh, it's it not it was never official or anything like that. It's just once Ryan joined, we just started working all the time, yeah. and and we're so busy, and it just I never really got the time to get back to it, you know. Yeah. Really good records. If I remember specifically, I believe called George Lasso's "The Moon" was the one that I listened to quite a bit. Right. I really like that album a lot. So if folks listening already local H fans, I'm sure maybe go check out some of that Married Men stuff because it's really good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And it, and it presents a different side. It's a little more full bandy, a little less hard rock. And yeah, I mean the, the thing about that record was all those songs kind of came out at the same time, so it totally made sense to do that and not make it a local age record because mm -hmm. suddenly i had like eight songs and they all sounded kind of like that yeah it was like this can't i can't do this you know that or i could but it just felt like if i'm ever going to do something like this a solo type of record this would be it and so that's how that happened and then the second one just 
kind of came from out of playing those shows. And so it was this thing that is all about the timing of it. And it, it's just this thing. I wasn't doing a whole lot of touring with Local H then. So mm -hmm. I think that had a lot to do with it too. Well, you're about to do some touring with Local H now, heading out in a couple of days. Uh, I'm curious, you know, obviously you've been doing this for a long time, been on the road for most of that time. Has your approach or philosophy with touring changed since back in the day when you're starting out in the 90s doing that kind of stuff? Do you have you any any words of wisdom that you can <laughs> share and impart upon our audience? Um, you know, I mean, the way we've done things has changed. Uh, but I don't know. I, you know, what what's the philosophy? You know, I don't know yeah. what the philosophy is just you know play good shows pretty much that's pretty much all it's always been but you know there was a certain point where we had to in order to survive become completely self-reliant yeah and uh that that was something that took me a few years to get my feet back uh, on something like that um because you know they put you in a bus and you start to think that's the way it's got to be and so, you know, when the bus goes away, you got two choices. You can either, you know, get back in the van or fucking pack it up, you know. Right. Just like Henry Rollins said. Uh, so records coming out April 10th. I did not mean to do that. Well, I did, motherfucker. Uh, records coming out April 10th. Um, I'm super excited to hear more. Um, I just want to quickly talk about, I know you've already released one of the singles, Turn the Bow awesome song thanks really cool first sort of uh taste of the record i was listening to it and uh, there it does sound like there are some there are multiple guitar parts and yep. layers happening are you are you just really just focusing on like what you can do while you're also singing or how do you think about what guitar parts and you know obviously low-end bass parts that are going to be coming out when you're playing live well that was that was the toughest one and we've been practicing a lot and most of my energies have been trying to figure out how to play that song live mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, figuring out like the guitar solo and stuff like that. And usually, I, I don't worry about it. I just like fuck it, or I won't even put a guitar solo in a song, right. um, which is usually probably smart. Uh, but I figured out a way to sort of play it that you know checks off a couple of the boxes. So it's different, but you know, it's the same. More or less the same structure. Absolutely yeah. the same structure. Completely. So it's it's still you still have the familiarity, and I, this goes back to what we were talking about before. It's the live experience is different than the record mm -hmm. experience. You still kind of have the familiarity that you can latch onto, but then you're experiencing it in a new, unique way that maybe will even hear you help you hear the original recording in a different way too. Yeah, yeah. Hope hopefully hopefully. Yeah. Dude, I don't know. I feel like I've just thrown like five thousand questions at you back to back. So. <laughs> um, I'm super thankful that you came out and hung Me out too, with man. us today. Thank you. No, thanks for having me. Um, where can people go on the web to learn more about you and the things that you do and the touring that you're doing now? Uh, you know, I think we have a website, uh, localh.com. Can confirm yeah. it does exist. <laughs> Stuff like that. Uh, you know, Facebook, all, all the usual avenues. Word. Yeah. Like, yeah. Dude, Scott, it's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much Thank for coming so out. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. it.